Welcome to The Commentaries, a podcast series from TAN in which you'll learn how to read and understand history's greatest Catholic works from today's greatest Catholic scholars. In every series of The Commentaries, your expert host will be your personal guide to not just read the book, but to live the book, shining the light of its eternal truths into our modern darkness. Visit TANCommentaries.com to get your copy of the book and to subscribe for access to all the great reading plans, new episodes, bonus content, and exclusive deals for listeners of the commentaries. Hello and welcome to the 17th episode of our commentary series on the Dialogue of St. Catherine of Siena. I'm Sister Mary Madeline Todd, a Dominican sister of the Congregation of St. Cecilia in Nashville, Tennessee. Today is day 17 in our series, and we will be concluding St. Catherine's Treatise of Prayer, this longest section of the dialogue. In this episode, the Father speaks to Catherine about the need for prayer for souls and for the Church. We'll begin with the subsection of the difference between the death of a just man and that of a sinner, and end with a subsection on how this devout soul, praising and thanking God, made a prayer for the Holy Church. Let us begin with Catherine of Siena's prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal God, eternal trinity you have made the blood of christ so precious through his sharing in your divine nature you are a mystery as deep as the sea the more i search the more i find and the more i find the more i search for you but i can never be satisfied what i receive will ever leave me desiring more when you fill my soul I have an ever greater hunger, and I grow more famished for your light. I desire above all to see you, the true light, as you really are. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In our last segment, the 16th in this series, God the Father reminded St. Catherine of the unfathomable gift of the Eucharist, in which the body and blood, soul and divinity of Christ are given to the people of God. He called to her mind the importance of a soul's worthiness in receiving this great gift, so that the light of divine grace may be imparted to the soul. He instructed Catherine that it is in light of the ministry of the Eucharist that one can see the profound dignity of the priesthood, which was given by God in order to provide for the salvation of souls. The Father reveals to Catherine that when he sees a priest, he sees another Christ, and he longs to clothe his priests in holy purity and goodness, so that they will be shepherds after the heart and pattern of his own Son. The Father laments that there are priests who walk in pride rather than humility, and servile fear rather than filial fear and love. 
Such unholy ministers seek themselves and their own advancement in office more than the good of their people. Because they cling so tightly to preserving their own reputation or office, they fail to spread the light of holy doctrine to others, and they fail to correct souls, therefore leaving them exposed to error and spiritual danger. They also seek their own comforts and pleasures and use the material and spiritual goods of the church for themselves rather than for their people. Even as he reveals how sorrowful such sins are, God calls Catherine not to judge priests, but to pray, to do penance, and to shed tears for them so that they will be true to the great gift given them in their priesthood. He speaks with great warmth and affection of those ministers who serve in humility, who are unafraid to teach the truth for the salvation of souls, and to administer the grace of the sacraments with tireless devotion to God and His people, and who are willing to suffer persecutions with great patience for the love of God. Having accepted the invitation and the grace to offer ceaseless prayers for the renewal and conversion of priests, Catherine is next shown by the Father how important it is to pray for all souls and for the good of the Holy Church. In this final section of the Treatise of Prayer, the Father reveals to Catherine the difference between the struggles, the death, and the peace of soul of a just man versus a sinner. Just men, those who are walking in the light of divine grace and who are surrendered to the will of God, are willing in this life to engage in the necessary struggle against their own selfishness. And they fight bravely the battles with the flesh, the world, and the devil. Because such souls are willing by prayer and penance to mortify whatever in themselves leads them away from God, they die a very peaceful death. Such as these are able to see through the deceptions of this world and are not misled by false delights. By virtue, these souls come to choose what is good over what is evil and to long for the things of God more than for the things of this earth. So when they come to the end of life, death is not seen as a threat or as a cause for fear. Such souls as this walk in peace in this world because they have already learned how to fight the battles against their warring desires within. Such souls pass to the next world with great peace. Whatever sorrows these souls feel point them more to God, where if they suffer the remorse of conscience, if they suffer the fierceness of battle, they know to look to God. They walk in true humility, knowing that they can't rely on themselves, but only on God's grace and mercy. So they can't really be diverted from the Lord. Even if they fall, they immediately turn back to the grace and mercy of God. And so when death comes, they meet it with hope, trusting in God's mercy more than in their own goodness. On the other hand, those who are steeped in sin do not fight against the flesh and the devil in the world. 
but rather they choose to submit to these forces of darkness. And so they suffer a lot in this life and even more in the hour of death. God allows them to feel the pain of conscience, but even though they experience the pain of conscience and the constant accusations of the evil one, and even though this brings them great distress, they fail to let that move them to reliance on God's goodness. Even in this life, they suffer great difficulties, although it seems like they're experiencing pleasure. Why is this? Selfish self-love darkens the intellect so that it cannot perceive the truths of holy faith. Souls who are steeped in darkness do not see how merciful God is, so they fail to come to hope in God's mercy. One of the greatest tragedies is that a person who is so blinded by sin that they don't see God's mercy and goodness gives in to despair. Since such souls put all of their trust in themselves, the battle of death is too fierce, and they do not even realize that they could awaken and call on the blood of Christ. While the Lord gives to his faithful servants faith, hope, and love, the evil one fills souls with confusion and condemnation, and by such a path brings them to despair. If a person knows the greatness of God's mercy, even at the hour of death, such a one knows to call on God and receive the grace of holy confession. Mercy always takes hold of hope. God continually tries to awaken hope in our souls so that we never despair. For despair, the father tells Catherine, injures souls more than all the other sins they may have committed. Why? Because despair makes it seem that sin is greater than God's mercy and goodness, and it turns souls away from repentance. This is a path unto destruction and damnation, because any sin can be repented, and any sin can be healed by divine mercy. Despair convinces souls that mercy cannot and will not be given. The suffering that comes at the end of life for one who has turned away from divine mercy is especially severe for those who were called to serve in the church and yet used its riches for their own pleasures and sins when they should have lived in poverty, humility, and service. The Father specifically upbraids the ministers of the church who neglect the divine office or who pray it with their mouths only but not with their hearts. He likewise rebukes bishops and prelates who give others office for some benefit for themselves without thought to God's glory and the salvation of souls. When God enlightens a soul as to how far it has fallen from grace, he does not do so to lead the soul to despair, but so that a soul can come to perfect self-knowledge and desire to be forgiven with hope, so that that soul will humbly turn to God and beg for mercy. Those who know truthfully and humbly their own need and the great love of God cry out for mercy, and these come to true joy. 
As a just man approaches his final hours, if the devil should appear to him, he is not afraid, because he doesn't fear the devil, but only sin. Whereas an evil person who will not repent, if that person sees the devil, he experiences great fear of the harm that can and does come to him. Those who know the truths of the Holy Faith and are enlightened by the words of Holy Scripture have all the greater obligation to fulfill them. If they give way to sin, they suffer more than those who were ignorant of the things of the faith. It is especially grievous and a cause of terrible suffering for the Church when those who should be her leaders think only of themselves and their own advantage, misusing not only their office, but even property and the grace of their authority to teach. Such as these fail to teach and administer the sacraments worthily and bring great suffering to the body of Christ. Catherine hears from the Father how great a responsibility rests with those who lead the church and how great a suffering comes when they fail to embrace humility and mercy. So she pours out intercession for the good of the Holy Church. She calls upon God, who is a burning fire of love. She reminds the Father that when all of humanity was sick in the sin of Adam, He, the good God, sent the divine physician, His Son, to heal us. She recognizes that all of humanity stands before God as beggars, as the poor who have nothing in themselves stand and beg before the throne of the one who is all. She pours out words of grief for the failure of sinners. Aware of her own weakness, Catherine begs God by the grace of his own goodness to have mercy on the whole world and especially on the Holy Church. She relies on the teaching revealed in Christ that all who ask will receive, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Therefore, in the power of the blood of Christ, she knocks at the door of divine mercy, begging that the church be restored and that the bread of life be given to nourish souls. Catherine makes, as it were, a holy bargain with God telling him that it would be more for his praise and glory to save many creatures in his mercy than to leave us in the hardness of our hearts. She concludes her long and impassioned prayer, crying out to God, Thou hast created us from nothing. Now, therefore, that we are in existence, do mercy to us and remake the vessels which thou hast created to thy image and likeness. Recreate them to grace in thy mercy and the blood of thy Son, sweet Christ Jesus. This concludes the 17th episode of our series and the third of the treatises of the book The Dialogue, the treatise of prayer, in which Catherine reflects how beautiful the end of life is for a soul who walks in humility and total reliance on the mercy of God, and how much suffering comes to a soul who does not call upon the mercy of God. In this, Catherine sees the obligation we have to pray ceaselessly 
for the conversion of souls, and for the renewal of the Holy Church. Next time, we'll begin the fourth and final section of the dialogue, the Treatise of Obedience, with episode 18 on the virtue and vow of obedience. We will begin with the subsection, Here Begins the Treatise of Obedience, and we will move through the section of the excellence of the obedient. Until then, may we, like Catherine, say yes to the divine call to offer constant intercession that individual souls will say yes to the grace of divine mercy, never giving in to despair, but hoping always in God's eternal goodness. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. This has been an episode of The Commentaries, a podcast brought to you by TAN. To follow the show, study more of the greatest Catholic classics, and to support the commentaries and other great free content from TAN, visit tancommentaries.com to subscribe and use coupon code COM25 to get 25% off your next order, including the dialogue and countless more spiritual works to deepen your interior life and guide you to heaven. Thank you.